Deuteronomy chapter 7. How many of you men have ever bought jewelry for your wife? Can I see your hand? Okay. All right. Yeah, plenty of you have. I was watching a television commercial uh, recently, and on the television commercial it said, Care enough to send the best. And we're to, to care enough to send the best. And they were saying, hey, we got the best. It probably means it's the most expensive. Uh, but uh, they said, we've got the best, so come get the best. You know, God sent his best for us at Calvary. Jesus Christ came and died, gave his heart, his life, uh, and rose from the dead three days later. And that was God's greatest gift. God cared enough for you and me to send the best, and to bring us into relationship with him. Uh, each and every one of us needs that relationship with God. We need it as far as our eternal security. We need to know that uh, we're not going to hell, that we're going to heaven. We need it uh, so that we can walk with God in fellowship. Uh, we need it so that we can live in the abundant life and the joy that God has brought for us through Jesus Christ. Uh, and Moses, here in this scripture we're going to talk about today, understood the importance of our relationship with God, that it was something sacred, that it was something precious. And so he is talking to the people of Israel, and he says, look, you're going into this land, you're going to be taking this land, they're right outside the border of Canaan. He said, you're going to go into this land, and God is giving you this land in your hand, and there is going to be a temptation. And that temptation will be to adopt the practices, the idolatry, the wickedness of the people of the land. So, I'm telling you to utterly destroy them. Now, some of you may have heard about this. You may watch TV. You may hear a controversy. Maybe you've heard an atheist speak about these kinds of scriptures. Uh, who has said, look, what kind of God... Tell somebody to kill everything that breathes. I've heard people say that before. I want to tell you something. It tells us two things. It tells you, one, the importance of our relationship with God. Because God knew that the people of Israel, when they went into that land, would be tempted to go astray. And in fact, that's exactly what took place. They didn't do as God instructed. And they had many of the peoples of the land still intermixed with them. And they led them astray. They were involved in idolatry. They were involved in immorality. Uh, and matter of fact, they even got involved in Molech worship. In uh, Molech worship is horrible worship where they would offer their children to God. Their God. And, and put their children to death and offer to God. It's horrible, uh, vile wickedness that they embraced in. Why? Because they did not take the relationship that they had with God seriously. Now, it also shows us something about the wrath of God. Because the Bible says that in Abraham's day, God told Abraham, he said, your people will be captive in another land for 400 years. Because the sins of the Amorites, is another name for the Canaanites, has not yet reached... It's full measure. So God says, I'm having grace. They're sinning against me now, but I'm having grace. 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 And 400 years pass until judgment finally has come. The Bible compares God's judgment to 
a cup filling up until it eventually spills out, spills over. Uh, and God says this, the time has come. So Israel became an instrument of God's judgment as well. So those two things. And it gives us an idea, does it offend modern sensibilities, this command? Yes, it does. It's shocking uh, to, to us. It, but, but it also should help us to understand that God in his character is different than we are. That, that God takes sin much more seriously than we do. And so you see the holiness of God, you see the righteousness of God and his passion for righteousness and his hatred of wickedness. By the way, that's the reason we needed Jesus Christ. You and I could never meet God's standard of righteousness on our own. And so God sent Jesus and he lived the perfect life on our behalf. And being God the Son, he was able to take the full penalty for our sin and and pay for it in full. And, And the Bible says that because of what Jesus did, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, the gap between us and God is closed and we're able to have fellowship with God through Jesus. A holy God and a sinful man like me. God brought together through Jesus. You see, Jesus wasn't an option. He was a necessity. So so God uh, is commanding through Moses some different things. Uh, This this one item I've mentioned is one of them. But there are several things that Moses commands the people. Because he says there's a danger that your relationship with God will be affected and you will be tempted to compromise. Uh, each and every one of us needs to take our relationship with God very seriously as something that is sacred and that needs to be protected uh, from anything, anyone that would draw us away from Christ. The title of my message this morning is The Danger of Spiritual Compromise. Um, We're going to talk about how do we protect our spiritual lives from compromise? So look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess, and he drives out many nations before you, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and powerful than you, And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you and you defeat them, you must completely destroy them. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Because they will turn your sons away from me to worship other gods. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will swiftly destroy you. Instead, this is what you are to do. Tear down their altars. Smash their standing pillars, cut down their Asherah poles, burn up their carved images, for you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord was devoted to you and chose you not because you were more numerous than all peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your fathers, He brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from the place of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. 
Know that Yahweh, your God, is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. But he directly pays back and destroys those who hate him. He will not hesitate to directly pay back the one who hates him. So keep the command, the statutes and ordinances that I'm giving you to follow today. So uh, they're given a program of action to go in to destroy the opposition and to remain separate as a holy people of God. Now, by the way, our struggle today is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness of this world. Ours is a spiritual battle. Uh, someday when Jesus comes back, he will come back on the clouds of heaven, we'll come with him, uh, and that will be a physical battle. But uh, in the meantime, we are in the age of grace, and these Old Testament struggles look forward to the spiritual struggles of the New Testament. And so we live, we're not going to uh, form a posse here at South Clint Baptist Church and go to knock somebody off, okay? So rest easy and, and don't worry about that. We're in a little different situation under the New Covenant. But there are some scriptural principles that we can see from this scripture that will help us to live a life that preserves that godly walk with God that we need to have. And the first thing I want you to see this morning is that we need to choose our close friends. Choose your close friends. Now, he says here, completely destroy them. (laughs) Now, you don't have to destroy the people that are not your friends, okay? But uh, how does that apply to us under the New Covenant? Choose who you spend your most time with. Now, that doesn't mean you don't spend time with lost people. We're called to reach lost people. We're called to, to witness to people, to have a, have a relationship. What it does mean is those people that you spend the bulk of your time with in the day-to-day activities of life, choose people that are godly. Why? Because they will influence you to be godly. Have you ever heard that statement in the scripture, a threefold cord is not easily broken? You and a godly friend and the Lord Jesus Christ are a threefold cord. And I'm going to tell you something, that's dangerous business to the devil when God's people have those relationships where they build each other up and they're strong in the Lord. So you need to choose those relationships. The Bible says the companion of fools will be destroyed. What's he talking about? If you spend all of your time with people who are wicked and ungodly, they will influence your life. And you will end up going down this path and making wrong decisions that will bring destruction to your life. So choose those godly friends. I had a pastor friend down in Texas uh, where I pastored, and, and he had two sons who got in with the wrong crowd. And they began to take drugs, and, and gra- their grades went down, and, and, and their lives just became a wreck. They were uh, just, just spiraling out of control. All because they were in the wrong companionship with some people. And uh, God worked in that situation and brought some redemption in that situation. But, uh, oh, the regret that was there because of those wrong choices. Make sure you choose who your friends are. Uh, that's one privilege that we have as God's people. Uh, be, be loving to lost people. Spend time with lost people. Seek to reach lost people. But be aware and ask God in prayer to help you to discern how much time you're to spend with them. And if you begin to feel your spiritual life slipping, you need to probably put some distance there uh, so, that, so that you will not be led down the wrong path. So choose your 
friends, your close friends. Secondly, refuse to agree to sin. Verse 2, he says, make no treaty with them. Make no treaty with them. Why? Because they were pursuing evil. God's people were to pursue righteousness. And what would happen if they made a treaty with them is they would end up being led astray. That agreement would be the entrance of sin into their lives. And so God said, don't do it. In our lives, we don't need to make any concession to evil. Uh, don't agree to sin. You know, we, we all face pressures from time to time to compromise in our life. You know, you're in the break room at work, and uh, somebody's telling a dirty joke. How do you respond? You know, you have a choice there. Are you going to compromise, or are you going to, to go along with the crowd and maybe tell one yourself, or, or are you going to, to participate, or are you going to be set apart? It may seem like a small thing, but it's important that we don't compromise in these little areas that it seems like may not make that much difference. Uh, Maybe you're compromising in the sense of you know that you don't need to go to a certain place. You know that it would be tempting for you to go there. And yet, somebody else says, come with us. We're going here. And and you compromise and you go with them. And what happens? It ends up being a doorway into sin in your life. Don't do it. Treat that relationship with God as sacred. Protect it. Uh, Make sure you don't agree to sin in small ways. Why? Because when you do, it's just like pouring water on a fire. You remember, I remember we went on an RA trip when I was a a little, uh, probably about 13 years old. And uh, we camped out and we had a fire. And in the morning, we had to pour water all over that fire and make sure it went out. And you know what happened? When that water poured out all over that fire, it went out. And there's smoke was coming up, but it, the fire was out. That's what happens when you compromise in little areas of your life. When you sin in little areas of your life, it puts out the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. It puts out the fire of what God's trying to do in your life, and you quench the Holy Spirit of God. And, and it, let me tell you something. If you are not walking with the Spirit of God, you'll not have victory in the Christian life. You cannot have victory. What did Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So don't compromise in those areas, in little areas, in big areas, thought areas. Some people have um, real struggle with their thought life. Now, you, you can't maybe control what comes into your mind right away, but you can control what you do with it once it gets there, right? That thought comes. The Bible says take those thoughts captive. Don't allow yourself to go down that path and, uh, you know, t- say, I'm dead to that. That's what Romans 6 says. I'm dead to that. And then make your choice to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and to live through you that godly life and, and then focus on something else. Replace that thought with something else. Uh, but don't allow those little areas of compromise. Some people have trouble with their speech. The Bible says, let no filthy communication come out of your mouth. Uh, be careful about a problem with your speech, or maybe it's a gossip issue. Be careful about that, because what that will do, it will pour water on the fire of your relationship with God. Treat that relationship as sacred, and protect it by refusing to agree to sin. So choose your close friends, refuse to agree to sin. Thirdly, marry a godly 
spouse. Look at verse 3. Do not intermarry with them. What was this about? Well, let me tell you what it wasn't about. It wasn't about race. Uh, Moses actually got in trouble with some of the people, uh, the Bible said, for marrying a Cushite wife. And they began to criticize him. And, and God actually brought judgment on the people that were criticizing him. So it's not about that. What it's about, it's about spiritual concerns. Okay? God doesn't want them intermarrying with the Canaanites because if they do, they're going to be influenced to sin. You see that in Solomon's life. You remember King Solomon? One of the wisest man that ever lived, and he did some very foolish things by the end of his life. He did what the Bible told him not to do. He intermarried with a bunch of foreign wives. And what did they do? They led his heart astray to worship idols. And the end of his life, uh, he, he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He said, I found there's no meaning, there's no purpose in this life apart from a relationship. With God. Make sure in your life that you don't marry an ungodly person, especially a lost person. Did you know when the New Testament speaks about this? And Paul says, if you marry, marry in the Lord. Marry somebody who's a believer. Why? Because when you marry a believer, what do they they become a person that gives you strength in your walk with God. They encourage you. They build you up. They help you in your walk with God. When you're struggling, they pray for you. Uh, hopefully, uh, they're not holding a grudge against you. But they should, they should be praying for you, lifting you up. And so you become a, a, a bond together uh, so that you don't compromise against sin. I, I knew a, a couple when I, was, when I was growing up. And by the way, let me just say this before I go on. If you are married to an, uh, an unbeliever, the Bible says stay as you are if that person's willing to stay and seek to win that person to Christ. Uh, but if you have a choice, choose to marry that godly person. So uh, I, when I was growing up, there was a, a couple. They were family friends of ours. And uh, she had married an, an unbeliever. And they were great, nice people, uh, and so forth. But there was constant struggle in her marriage. She, she continually worried. She would, she would call my mother sometimes weeping on the phone. I, you know, I'm worried about where he's going to spend eternity. And, and so she had this continual burden. And then there were those issues where you have to make choices about what your kids do. And he made choices based on worldly way of thinking. And she wanted to make choices that were godly. And there was this constant friction and constant struggle in their married life. You see, God knows what he's talking about. Marry a godly person. But let me say this too. Be a godly person. Some people want to marry a godly person, but they don't want to be godly themselves. You need to be a godly person so that God can prepare you to be the kind of spouse to your mate that you need to be. So, uh, marry a godly spouse, um, a godly person. So, uh, how do you avoid this spiritual compromise? Choose your close friends. Refuse to agree to sin. Marry a godly spouse. Fourthly, destroy tempting idols. Verse 5 says, burn up their carved images. Chop down their Asherah poles. Uh, you'll see some of the godly kings actually did this, fulfilled this verse. And uh, Josiah was one of them, went through and 
destroyed all these idols. Gideon was uh, one of the judges, and, and he had a, they had an idol in his backyard. And he went and he destroyed it at night. God had told him to destroy it. He destroyed the idol. He went and destroyed several other idols, and there was a, a group of people that were, were mad as they could be, coming to find Gideon. Somebody stood up and had some sense and said, Hey, these are supposed to be gods. They're gods. How are they getting knocked over in the middle of the night? Let them plead for themselves. So God said, don't, don't, you say, well, what does this have to do with me? I don't have an idol in my house. Well, you probably don't. But can I tell you, you have things in your life probably that if you're not careful, tend to become more important to you than God. That's an idol. It might be a hobby that you have. It could be your family. It could be your job. It could be anything in your life that begins to become more important to you than God. He says, destroy anything that would take the place of the Lord. It might be an individual. It it doesn't mean you you put them to death. That's not what I'm talking about. But that you, uh, if it's something you own, get rid of it. Uh, My father had a guy uh, come to him one time, and he was struggling with pornography. And... uh, Dad said, have you gotten all of it out of your house? He said, well, no, i got a closet full of it. He said, you're never going to have victory until you get rid of it. Get rid of it. Throw it out. Uh, Sometimes we have to take drastic measures in our lives if we're going to have victory. You you may have issues with your computer at home. You may need to have uh, someone that you trust in your family uh, to to put a password on that thing so it's not, not a temptation to you. Or your television. Uh, maybe you struggle with alcohol. Don't keep a beer in the fridge if you struggle. You know, don't do that. Throw it out. Be drastic. Uh, treat that relationship with God as something sacred and, and something to be protected in your life. Uh, and as you do that, you see, the idolatry is, did you know what the number one command in the Bible Jesus said was? Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. When anything comes between you and your relationship with God and putting Him first in your life, you have broken that main commandment. Such a serious thing. And it quenches everything else God wants to do in your life. So make sure you destroy those tempting idols in your life. So, and finally, relate to God in obedience. Look at verse 11. He's, he's talked about how God uh, blesses those who keep the commands and how he uh, comes against those who don't. Now, there's a little difference in the new covenant for us, but um, God still disciplines us for sin, okay? We're not under the Old Testament law, but God disciplines us for sin. And some things are, if it's morally right, see, our morality is based on the character of God, what, what he is like. And so if it's morally right in the Old Testament, it's morally right in the New Testament. Morally wrong in the Old Testament, it's morally wrong in the New Testament. And God says, those who are his children, he will discipline. And so, uh, as God's people, we need uh, to make sure we're walking in obedience. Obedience means not doing the things we know not to do. means doing the things God has called us to do. It means... uh, uh, Seeking to have a pure thought life and pure speech and so forth. Uh, all the areas of life that we're seeking to please God. 
whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's what we're to seek to do. As we walk in that obedience, then God will be with us and will help us keep that walk with him strong. Now, what do you do when you mess up? You confess it to the Lord. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He restores that fellowship. Ask him to change your heart, give you a heart of repentance. And uh, ask him to fill you with his spirit and, and surrender to him and trust him. And he will live through you that obedient life. Uh, do you want to have a hedge of protection around your spiritual life? Do you want to treat sacred that relationship with God? You ought to. You know, the Bible says that there's a peace that passes understanding and walking with God. Peter says there's a joy unspeakable and full of glory in walking with God. What are some steps that you can take to preserve your walk with God? Choose your close friends. Refuse to agree to sin. Marry a godly spouse, destroy tempting idols, and relate to God in obedience. And as you do these things, God's going to shore up your life and help you grow spiritually and be strong in Him. And not only will you experience the benefits of walking with God, but you will be a blessing to other people. Father, thank you so much for the direction that you give us in your Word. Thank you, Father, for showing us uh, what it means to avoid those dangers of spiritual compromise. Help us make wise decisions in our lives, Father, and pursue you with all our hearts because you said we'd find you when we do. And, uh, Lord, I pray for each one here this morning that they respond to you as you touch their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a time of invitation. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what we've talked about this morning and to the Lord's work in your heart. Some of you may be walking in spiritual compromise. It's not a question of protecting your relationship. You've already not protected it and you've gotten out in some sin and you're, you're, you're walking far away from God. Jesus says, come let us reason together. Though your sin be a scarlet, it shall be white as snow. Uh, God wants you to make that right this morning. I'm going to invite you, this altar is open. If you know Christ, you come and you, you tell the Lord, Lord, I confess my sin to you and I ask you to change my heart. And I'm going to ask the people of our congregation to pray for you as you pray here at this altar, that God will help you uh, to walk with him. Maybe there's somebody here today and maybe you're in a relationship that you know is not good for your spiritual walk with God. Not that you don't need to be loving that person, but you may need to put some distance between yourself and that other person that is drawing you away. Maybe you just need to come and tell the Lord, Lord, I'm ready to do what you've called me to do and to put that distance uh, there so that I can walk with you in the way that I need to. Maybe some of you just need to be spending that regular time with God. You've not made that decision. You get a chance to commit to that next week. Uh, but will you respond to the Lord as he's calling you today? Maybe there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Can I tell you? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. He sent Jesus to pay the price for your sin. He rose from the dead. 
And the Bible says that if you're willing to turn from your sin, make that decision to turn from your sin and to put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will receive that gift of salvation from Jesus this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm going to, I'll be standing here at the front. And if, if God has touched your heart,